Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields here. Got a plethora of things to talk about with you this time around. Touch on the Chiefs choking yet another big game late in the season like they did Thursday night against their division rival Chargers. Touch on the Steelers and their losing woes as they get ready to play the New England Patriots on Sunday. I'm going to get into why Kirk Cousins stinks and why he's overpaid and completely overrated. I'll also touch on what Bill Belichick was thinking putting Rob Gronkowski in on defense against the Miami Dolphins last week that resulted in the Minnesota Miracle. And Lamar Jackson getting the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. The first things I want to get into is Thursday night's game, the last Thursday night game of the season, as a matter of fact, between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City was coming into the game 11-2. and Chargers coming in at 10-3. and The base, the winner of this division, um, would get the second seed in the wild, in the excuse me, in the playoff seeding, due to the fact that team that's in second place right now in this division is the Chargers, and they have the fifth seed. Yet, record-wise, win percentage-wise, they have one of the best records in all of football. So they head in to the Arrowhead uh, Thursday night, and Philip Rivers he did his thing for the most part. Um, twenty six for thirty eight, three hundred and thirteen passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, receiving wise, you had um, receiving wise you had Mike Williams and Terrell Williams combining for. 13 receptions and uh, 147 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Then do a big job on the ground. Austin Jackson, remember, no Melvin Gordon was in that game. He was hurt. Um, Justin Jackson took over. He had 16 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown. But in the Chiefs, not the Chiefs, the uh, Chargers won the game 29-28. But that's besides the point. And yes, Patrick Mahomes did his thing. 24-34, 243, two touchdowns. But that's besides the point. The point is that it doesn't matter if Andy Reid is coaching the Chiefs, the Eagles, or the San Francisco 49ers. It doesn't matter if Alex Smith, Joe Montana, Trent Green, or Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. And this is the reason why I said 
I don't think the Chiefs are going to sue on this exact reason right here. Is and I told you this after they lost in the Ram game before Thanksgiving. This team is not disciplined and it's not buttoned up. I mean, I'm so, there's just nothing else to say. They are not buttoned up. They're not disciplined. How in the world do you go into the fourth quarter and within a five-minute span, less than that, but how in the world do you allow the, the Chargers and Phil Rivers to march up and down the field and manage to score two touchdowns with a two-point conversion to basically steal this game right out from under you? How, Andy Reid? How? And inquiring minds would like to know how, once again, in a big game, in a big spot against a big-time opponent, bright lights shining, national TV and everything, why is it again, Andy Reid, that instead of you showing up and being ready for prime time with your coaching and disciplining your players, as far as them making sure they play t uh, tight, buttoned-up, disciplined football, why is it again that I have to sit here behind this microphone and, and talk about yet another occurrence in another episode of the classic Andy Reid choke job? Why? I mean, I mean, some some things. Some, I mean, some things just never change. I mean, they they, they never change. Travis Kelsey didn't have the best game. He's been held under eighty-five receiving yards in each of his ten career games against the Chargers. No touchdowns. So you have that. Yeah, Philip Rivers, who now has nine interceptions against the Chiefs in the last two seasons. So even Phil Rivers has trouble against the Chiefs. But what, I mean, you had him reeling early. I mean, 28-14, yeah, this thing's over with. But how in the world, once again, an undisciplined, not buttoned up, penalties galore, Andy Reid coach team once again proves A, they're not ready for prime time when it matters most late in the season. Who who no one cares about week week five, week six against the Cincinnati Bengals. What can you in on national time? What can you do when the bright lights are shining on you when it's cold outside from after Thanksgiving on? From thank from after Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. What can you show me then? Especially against a big time division opponent like the Kansas City, uh, excuse me, like the uh, LA Chargers. And because they lost this game, they very well, they very well might end up losing the division. I mean, can someone explain to me, please? I mean, I don't care if Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's he's good and everything else, great talent. But I mean, I mean, something. It's the old saying's true. Ain't nothing new underneath the sun. And the thing that isn't new is the fact that Andy Reid continues to choke big games in the clutch. 
against opponents. Last year, it was the other way around where the Chargers needed a win. Now, both these teams are making the playoffs, don't get me wrong. But remember, last year was when those two teams met national television primetime spotlight in Arrowhead. And the, and the Chargers needed a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And Phil Rivers shat all, or excuse me, um, uh, urinated all over himself. He, 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 I mean, you want me to read? You want me to read you his stats from that game? He was awful. Absolutely wet the bed and folded like a cheap tent. Was awful in that game. But once again, Chiefs not buttoned up, not disciplined. Too many penalties. They take themselves out of the game. They defense can't finish plays, can't finish drives, and we going up against a. a Potential Hall of Fame quarterback like Philip Rivers, it's bound to ha who's been around a good while with going up against that atrocious defense. Uh, that's bound to happen. The Chiefs had go on the road next Sunday night and play the Seahawks. And then they're home against the Raiders. Do I see them going 2-0? Oh? Mm, no. I don't. Because Seattle, and we'll get to, I'll get to them later on in the show. Seattle's a good football team. A good, dangerous football team, especially when they're at home and the bright lights of primetime television are shining because Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll show up. But anyway, I think the Chiefs will go one and one with that. Meanwhile, if you look at the Chargers schedule, Chargers are at home against the Ravens next Saturday. And they go on the road and they play the Broncos to end up the season on the 30th. And quite frankly, I think the Chargers can win both of those games. Ravens, they're a good team, but again, Lamar Jackson, not one of the best throwers of the football, but I'll tell you one thing, he gives the Ravens the best chance to win. And I'll get to him later on. So I think the Chargers will go 2-0, and and I think the Chiefs will split one and one. And that loss Thursday night cost the cost the uh, Chiefs the number two seed in the A the the uh the uh, number one seed in the A uh, cost them the number one seed in the AFC and uh cost them the division. Simply put. Cost them the division, cost them the top one of the top two seeds in football. But again, Andy Reid's teams never buttoned up, never disciplined, play sloppy, atrocious, egregious football on both sides, dumb penalties. And if you if you think I don't know what if you think I don't know what I'm talking about, Kareem Hunt is no longer a Kansas City Chief. 
Do you think a team coached by Belichick or Lombardi would allow that to happen? Do you think so? No. No. Not buttoned up. Sloppy play. Makes too many making too many mistakes. Andy Reid on top of that. Poor clock man pitiful at managing clock. Pitiful at managing a clock and managing a lead. And basically just let Phillip Rivers come right come come back on him like it like it's natural to him. Like it's as natural as getting up in the morning, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth when you get up in the morning. That's how natural it was. And I, and I and I said it after the Ram game. I said this is why this team, as much hype as anyone wants to put around Patrick Mahomes and everything, it's still Andy Reid coaching the team. And some things, I'm sorry, especially in sports, some things just never change. Some things are what they are. You can sit there and try to change it and try to make it. Some things are what they are. And regardless what seeding the Chiefs get, if they go into the playoffs and lose the first round, then that proves my point even more. Keep in mind, this is the same team that blew a blew a twenty point lead at home against Tennessee, and blew a and uh, and uh, blew a lead on the road a f- few years back before that against the Colts. When, and then if and then you will go to 2016 if it wasn't a holding on their left tackle I think Eric Fisher on James Harrison but back in the 2016 AFC divisional game they would have been the AFC championship game but even then undisciplined play wonder Thanksgiving this team is not going to the Super Bowl Undisciplined teams like this who have too many issues that stick out like a sore thumb like this. I don't care if they go back 20 years and put Joe Montana on the team and go get the Nigerian nightmare, look him up, and put him in the backfield and get Tony Regan's out of retirement and have him and Travis Kelsey line up at tight end. I do and get Tom Bahali back. I don't care. Andy Reid, Andy Reid coach teams, never, ever, 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 a win a big game late in season, and b a never disciplined, never buttoned up, never. Switching gears to now. <sighs> to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-5-1. and one. They play the... They get a rematch against one of their hated rivals. Who they... 
can never ever manage to beat in the New England Patriots on Sunday. Um, remember these two teams played last year. Week 15, as a matter of fact, last year. With the famous, as you know, the Jesse James touchdown, no touchdown, not a catch, catch. And then Ben Rock, and then the poor mismanagement, poor time management, and poor play calling on the part of Tom, Todd Haley, Big Ben, and Mike Tomlin, that whole fiasco. Well, Steelers have a chance of redemption. They have a chance to break that curse and to, and to uh, well, not just break the curse, but also break this losing streak that they're on. Ever since the Jaguar game, where they really didn't deserve to win that game, but ever since that 2016 win, the 18th of November, the Broncos, excuse me, not the Broncos, the Steelers have lost three in a row. They lost to the Broncos because of dumb asinine turnovers, whether it's Big Ben making stupid interceptions or James Conner tripping over himself. They lost that game against the Broncos. Pitiful defensive play cost them a game against the Chargers. Because that game really should have been a blowout. Like after that, after that game, really should have been a blowout. If you, I mean, I thought I literally went. I literally thought this game's going to be a blowout. Like towards the end of the midway through the side, I said, oh, this game's going to be a blowout. And ain't no worry about it. So defense cost them that one. But this one, twenty-one to twenty-four loss against the Oakland. Raiders. Yes, the Oakland Raiders. The three and ten Oakland Raiders with John Gruden at head coach. Same John Gruden that traded Khalil Mack to Chicago before the season started. The same John Gruden that traded Amari Cooper for a, for a few first round draft picks to the Cowboys. Yes, that Amari Cooper. And yes, that John Gruden. They went into that sewage-filled dump that is the Oakland Alameda Coliseum and completely embarrassed themselves. They made Derek Carl out to be his 2015 MVP caliber self that he was three years ago. Derek Carr was 25 for 34, threw for 322 yards, two touchdown passes, and had and Jared Cook had seven receptions for 116 yards. And that's just your top performers in the game. He didn't even score, and uh, Cook didn't even have a touchdown. But even then, he had a big game, seven receptions, 116 yards. Big Ben didn't turn over the football, but that's just it. Juju Smith used eight receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Big Ben 25 for 29, 282, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But that's just it. Big Ben got injured in the middle of that game, and 
backup quarterback out of Tennessee, Joshua Dobbs. Who, what, yeah, Joshua Dobbs came in. But Big Ben, who came back out of the locker room at X-rays, he didn't go back out on the field. Which is very, very puzzling, if you ask me. Because he's one of your best players on offense. He's your lead. He's been there since he's been there since 2004. I mean, you have to have Big Ben out there on the field. I mean, he is he, he is your starting quarterback. You have to have him out there. But oh no. What the Steelers do is they keep him on the bench. Why? Well, in the words of Mike Tomlin, who is no Chuck Noll by any stretch, he said he didn't want to put Ben Roethlisberger in the game because he said, they were in the flow of the game with Joshua Dobbs. Ben Roethlisberger, one more time, 25 for 29, 282, two touchdown passes. What the heck do you mean, Mike Tomlin, you don't want to interrupt the flow of the game? Interrupt what flow? The, the losing flow? The flow that you're going to lose three straight games, probably four, because you're playing the Patriots the next week? Really? Really? I mean, Mike Thomas should know this. I mean, th this is a gift from the NFL. The NFL is like, we know good and well you, <laughs> we know good and well you guys are like going to have it close. We know good and well at the end of the day when the clock hits triple zeros, you're not you're not going to beat Brady and Belichick because you guys never do. So so here we give you the Oakland Raiders. Here you go. Hey, they they gave you a win. And the Steelers and Tom was like, no thanks. And they it's like, hey, hey, Gruden, you, you want this? And Gruden was like, I haven't had much win. I only had two wins. Oh, yeah, heck yeah, I'll take it. And they just gave it to Gruden, gave, gave it to uh, Derek Carr. I mean, really? He, you in the flow of the what flow? The, the losing flow when Josh Dobbs is four for nine with 24 passing yards and one interception? That flow? That flow you couldn't get any offense going? That flow? I mean, you need you need big men out there. Le'Veon Bell isn't on the team anymore. James Conner was injured in the Charger game. Didn't play at all. Wasn't active. What flow? You, it is a liability and a lifeline you have Ben Roethlisberger out there on that field. Why is he on the bench? What do, is this another example of Mike Tomlin? Please don't tell me that it is. But something tells me that it is. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm off key. Um, I hope I'm off base. And I hope I'm not um, out of tune with reality. But is that another example of the Pittsburgh Steelers getting in their own way and having their heads so far up Brady and Belichick's hind parts 
that they screw around with the task they have at hand. Is this another example of that? Because something tells me that it is. What do you what do you saving Big Ben for the for the for the Patriot game? Really? What well, was Ben Rockers? I know he. I know like you you hit him and the guy's like out for two days with you know with a with a separated shoulder and a and a uh, punctured lung. But come on. I mean, you make one little hard tackle on him. The guy's on the ground for five. I get it. He's a little. He's a bit of a drama queen when he when he's on the field when he gets hit. But come on. What are you trying to say? Same for the Steeler game, as if that's gonna do you any favors. Why would you do that? If anything, this is like a scrimmage. You gotta have Big Ben out there. Make sure you can get him as many reps as possible. This game, this game should be a scrimmage. And even then, you still need that game, even though it's against an inferior opponent. Because your next two games, trust me, are no gimmies. Patriots and then the Saints. I will be floored if they win both of them. Floored. But chances of that happening is about as good as the chances as Kate Upton or Ashley Graham asking me out on a date. And that's pretty freaking slim. So you needed that game anyway as a little confidence booster and to make and to have a little bit of a feel good momentum heading into the Patriots game. But no, Mike Tomlin, who thinks he's Chuck Knoll, decides no, it don't end up the what flow of the game. Please explain to me, Michael, what flow are you interrupting by keeping Josh Dobbs in the game instead of Ben Roethlisberger? Knowing good and full well, Le'Veon Bell ain't on the team no more, and your running game is non-existent because James Conner didn't play in the game. So please explain to me what flow are you interrupting? The losing flow where you, where you lose three straight? Potentially five? Heading into week 17 when you play the uh, Bungles? What, please explain to me, Tomlin, what flow are you interrupting? Please. M me, me, Pittsburgh, and Steeler fans all around the country are dying to know. The heck does that mean, interrupt the flow? What flow? What flow? He was four for nine with an interception and 24 passing yards. What with two carries and 15 yards on the ground? What flaw are you interrupting by taking him out of the game? When Ben Roethlisberger had only threw for four incomplete passes the whole game, had 282 yards, two touchdowns, and for once didn't, and for once he he for once in a in a while he didn't turn over the football. Once again, it's the Steelers, so just like it is with the Chiefs. Same thing with the Steelers, playing down to your competition.
playing down to your inferior opponent because either A, you don't respect them, or B, like again, like again, same time next year, like what they did when they played the Ravens, they played the Bengals, and they played the Packers in that, in that little three, four game stress leading up to the Patriot game. They look over their opponents at hand because they're so doggone preoccupied with the Pittsburgh Steelers to the point where it's embarrassing because they're so preoccupied about them, yet they still can't manage to beat them. So they sacrifice games. They they risk winning other games to make sure that they beat New England, yet they still can't beat them. Shifting gears now. Last thing, then we'll get to a break. I'll talk to Miami Miracle and the Seahawks. But last thing, then I'll get to a break. Kirk Cousins. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen. Kirk Cousins stinks. He stinks. He flat out stinks. He stinks. And for those of you who I know that listen to this and who I talk football with that listen to this and who've listened to me on this platform and this show before, Kirk Cousins is so overrated and so overpaid, it isn't even a laughing matter. Because all of this talk about big-time contract, and you have to pay him, you have to pay him, you have to pay him, you have to, you have to give him this amount of money because Kirk Cousins is this, 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 and this. Stop franchise tagging. What you what you doing franchising Kirk Cousins for? Was getting all over the Redskins front office for doing so. Well, now I see why they franchise, franchise tagged them. Because I'm not paying $84 million and guaranteed for 20, 20, 20 for 33, 208 completion yards and one touchdown pass. Granted, granted that Seahawks defense played their hearts out Monday night, but this isn't the 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom that led them to back-to-back Super Bowls, one championship. Defense is good, but it, but but he ain't going up against the 2013-14 team. And I'm paying you 84 man guarantee for 20 for 33 with 208 passing yards. Really? Really? Really, Kirk Cousins? And again, it's just like it's like it's like a theme that's going on with, with my with this opening monologue. Ain't nothing new underneath the sun. So some things, regardless regardless of circumstances and regardless of changes of scenery or whatever, some things just never change. And, and subject and subject number three, Kirk Cousins. Doesn't matter if he's in a Redskins uniform or Vikings uniform. When Kirk Cousins goes up against superior opponents, 
especially on primetime national television, Monday Night Football, no even. He is straight garbage. Straight garbage. You can go back and look. It, it, not not even just you. You can do national television, but just in big games in general, where you need to win and like keep playoff hopes with the bit or division hopes alive. He stinks. He can't come through. Why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think the Redskins was like nah? They had enough. They saw the disgusting performance he put up against the Giants in 2016 when they needed a win to get in and some help, and he and he completely wet the bed. They saw what he did. They saw what he did in the playoffs a few years before that at home against the Green Bay Packers. They saw that. Redskins aren't stupid. They're paying attention. They know good and well this guy ain't worth two dead flies smashed. Kirk Cousins is so overpaid and so over. I don't want to hear anything about Kirk Cousins this and Kirk Cousins that. No, Kirk Cousins, it's Kirk Cousins leads in this and Kirk Cousins leads in that, and he's in a similar category with Brady and a similar similar category. I don't want to hear all that nonsense. It's a bunch of bull. Can you win a big game? Can you win a big game, especially late in the season? Preferably on national television. He win a big game once in your life, Kirk. Please. Because it's like the same story and the same narrative with you every single time. Hype Train builds you up only for you to show up on national television against a good opponent. Especially late in the season where it matters the most. And you, and you spit the bit. Completely spit the bit. You got Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph. You have no excuses. You have star firepower on the offensive side of the football. You have no excuses. Which is why Michael Zimmer fired his offensive coordinator the day after. But even still, Kirk Cousins. If if Case Keenum can do something with that offense, you should have no problem. So, Chiefs always choking a big spot. Steelers playing down to the competition, looking ahead to New England when they have no business to. And Kirk Cousins never, ever, 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 ever wins a big game. Never. Especially, especially on primetime national television. I'll take a break. I'll talk about the Miami Miracle and why in the world Rob Gronkowski was on the field to begin with. And see Hawks on fire. I'll talk about their win streak right after this. Welcome back to the Amatel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears to the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots that played last Sunday. Dolphins coming into the game at 6-6. Six and six. Patriots coming into the game at 9-3. and three. Patriots looking to win yet another AFC East Division title and trying to take the 
one of the top two seeds. Prefer, preferably, they want the one, but realistically, the two seed in AFC playoff standings while Miami's trying to get that sixth and final seed in the AFC. Miami Dolphins won the game via a 69-yard touchdown play. The hands of Kenyon Drake and a couple laterals headed in his direction. That was the longest play from scrimmage to win the game with no time remaining in the fourth quarter since the merger in 1970. But they had two things I want to touch on. But first off, let me say what a heck of a play. I mean, how in the world does Adam Gase and, and Tannehill and everyone else practice that in practice? That lateral play. Because it's, cause it's, it's, it's like a super rare play. I mean, you run it all the time in practice. You kind of like fool around with it and walk through. It's like a, it's such a rare play for it to happen. Where you can, to think you can actually like pull that off and like lateral the ball till someone finds like an open hole and they basically run right through it while you're trying to play keep away from the defense. I mean... How does Adam Gase draw that up? I have no idea, but that's number one before I get to my two points. Number two is that was an, that was an exciting ending. I mean, let me tell you, that was an exciting ending. And Goskowski, who missed an extra point in the game, well, came back to bite him. But uh, the two things I want to get to. First, the play itself, um, and it's rare we say this about him, and it's rare that we question his judgment and his decision-making, but what the heck was Rob Gronkowski doing on the field? I mean, can someone explain that to me, please? What in the heck was Rob Gronkowski doing on the football field? Why? I mean, I don't know if Belichick had a brain fart, a brain cramp, or something, but A. Gronk is slow. Okay, he's not one of the faster wide receivers in the NFL. A. He's slow. B. He's very injury prone, so he tries to lay a hit or tries to put a tackle on someone. You know, goodbye, Gronk, for the next nine months. Number two. Number three, just because you make a good blocker, that doesn't mean you make a good tackler. Number two. Number th four, Gronk cannot jump under any circumstances. I mean, um, I mean, and he's super tall to begin with, so it's not like he has to jump that high, but even still, he can't jump. So he can't jump. He's clumsy slash slow. And injury prone, and he's not, and he can't jump. Yet he's still on the field. I mean, did Bill Belichick really think that Ryan Tannehill, of all people, could have launched the ball 69 yards up in the air? Really? Come on, Bill, you're better than this. I mean, this is the Hall of Famer Bill Belichick, the Vince Lombardi of this generation, and he just made, he possibly wanted, he possibly made one of the most dumbest, most stupidest, asinine coaching decisions of his long NFL coaching career. 
because there ain't no way that Ryan Tannehill can throw the ball 69 yards up in the air. And that's the only, and that's is the one and only reason you have him out on the field. If it ain't that, then tell Gronk to sit his hind parts on the bench and cheer on his teammates and stay the heck away from the playing surface unless Tom Brady gives him the signal to go back onto the field. I don't know what Belichick was thinking. And it showed he got he stumbled, he he stumbles not that quick, very clumsy, and cost the uh, Patriots the game and a potential and a first round bye if you ask me. And the, that game, that game is the game that if you're a Patriots fan, you have to have. I don't care, you have to have that game. And number two, just real quick, touch on Patriots how they do in Miami. Tom Brady is seven and zero on the road against the Dolphins in his career, one and six when they play him in Miami in December. So, Patriots sure love playing in cold weather, cause when they get that hot weather in the wintertime, it's not pretty for Bill and Company. And Tannehill won four straight games against Tom Brady. And the Dolphins have won five of six meetings with the Patriots. Something about Miami, man. Curses the Patriots. I don't know if it's the sunshine, the heat, the humidity, the food, or what. But Patriots don't play well when they go down to uh, South Beach. Switching gears now to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, who won their game, uh... Monday night against the uh, Minnesota Vikings at home, like I previously mentioned when in my uh, Kirk Cousins segment. They won the game by the final score of... Second, sorry about this. They won my final score twenty-one to seven. Thank you, my dopey technology's acting up. By the way, Kirk Cousins zero seven on Monday Night Football. So, eighty-four million dollars. You looking to be a contender, and you just signed a guy for eighty-four million dollars who can only play on Sunday afternoons. Andy Dalton ain't making that much, and he's been to playoffs more times than uh. Kirk Cousins has, but anyway, I digress. The Seattle Seahawks, I'm not saying he's any better, but still. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Vikings 21-7 Monday night. As the Seahawks continue their amazing hot streak they've been on, really since their 0-2 start at the beginning of the season, losing to the Bears in Week 2 and losing to the... Um, I'll look up who they play week one, but they've bounced back is my point is my point uh is my point being. And that Seattle Seahawks defense is no joke. And I mean to tell you it is that game was a scoreless tight not defensive battle game up until really the 
inside two minutes of the fourth quarter where this where they gave where the uh, Vikings scored a consolation touchdown. But that Seahawks it's against the Broncos, that's right. The sea but that Seahawks defense knows how to hunt. They Bobby Wagner may be the only player from the original Super Bowl forty eight and forty nine team, but that man that guy can hunt along with the along with the Griffin brothers and everyone else. Like I said earlier, it ain't the two thousand thirteen ain't two thousand fourteen Seattle Seahawks defense, but it's pretty doggone close to tell you that. And if the Seahawks can continue what they're doing and Pete Carroll can get the team to believe in the formula and believe in the system that he's implanted in there. Because a lot of people thought, and me being one of them with this man transition year, many people didn't think Seahawks going to do too well, but they've proved a lot of people wrong as they're 8-5 and five and are a win away. They play the 49ers this week and are a win away of winning the... Uh, Winning the uh, fifth seed in the NFC Wild Card, so you have that. Russell Wilson didn't have his best game. Actually, it was pretty terrible stats-wise. Ten for twenty, seventy-two passing yards, one interception. But he was seven rushing attempts for sixty-one yards, and he and Chris Carson played just well enough to win, as well as that defense. But boy, that defense was. Uh, Defense was special the other night, let me tell you. But, um, Seahawks on fire, and I expect them to keep it up. Take a break, get to Lamar Jackson in Week 15 in the National Football League right after this. Welcome back to Amatel tell I Can Tell I Is podcast. Switching gears to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. He, Lamar Jackson was named by John Harbaugh earlier in the week that he indeed will be their starting quarterback, at least for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game this upcoming Sunday for the Ravens. Joe Flacco being out for quite a few weeks now with a hip injury. Uh, He was medically cleared to play last week against the Chiefs, but... Mentally, he just wasn't ready as far as preparing with the game plan and everything else was concerned. So, my thoughts on it is I agree with it. And I know Lamar Jackson is not the best throw of the football, but again, the Chiefs are a a good football team. And the Chiefs gave them their first loss with Lamar at quarterback, and the Ravens came with them pretty close to beating them, so... Even though he's not the best thrower of the football, Lamar Jackson gives the Ravens the best chance to win. Because, I'm sorry, Joe Flacco, he does not cut it. He, I mean, watching, yes, Lamar Jackson has pounced throwing a spiral, but the way Joe Flacco does it, it's just he knows how to throw a spiral. He knows what it takes to be a, a good quarterback in the NFL, and it's, it's just he shows the exact opposite. Not to mention you getting all that money, but I agree with it. I think, I th- and especially with the way the Steelers have been, been playing, this is an easy division for the Ravens to come up and steal uh, right from underneath the Steelers. With them, even though they lost last week, but they won a little bit of a hot streak. So this is 
Lamar Jackson gives the Ravens the best chance to win. Hands down, no questions asked. He gives them the best chance to win. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And the fact that that team has basically changed its offensive scheme to be more of an RPO, power run, run passing offense, it, it's, it totally revamped the team and revamped the offense. And teams are having problems stopping it, which is why they've been on fire as of late. But again, Lamar Jackson, not the greatest throw of the quarterback, but at least right now he gives the Ravens the best chance to win. And I 100% agree and support Harbaugh's decision of keeping him as starting quarterback. Switching gears now to week 15 in the NFL. As usual, I pick a couple games. I'll pick, uh, really, there's one game, really. Pats and Steelers, that game will be at 425 on CBS. That's the game of the week across the league. Remember last time these two teams met? Uh, December 17th, which is be a year ago Monday, but almost three, so 364 days prior. Those two teams met week 15. We all know what happened. Jesse James. Touchdown, no touchdown, catch, no catch. Pitiful play calling and decision making on Roethlisberger, Haley, and Tomlin. Cost the Steelers a game and eventually uh, got, got into their heads and ended up getting destroyed by Jacksonville in the playoffs at home. But Patriots, like I said, coming off of the Minnesota Miracle loss. They're looking to bounce back with that one. Steelers looking back, looking forward to bouncing back from losing to Raiders. This is a game that's circled at least on every Steelers calendar because it's like they see we play the Patriots, they get all happy. Yet, yet they still go up there and they stink up the joint. Brady has 113 passer rating versus the Steelers. Highest of any QB against one opponent since the merger. Uh... Steelers are. There's a stat I had. They are. I think they're like four and twelve since two thousand eleven, two thousand one, including the playoffs against the Steelers. Let me double check. Three and eleven against the Patriots, including the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Steelers are so. Steelers never, ever, ever beat Pittsburgh, especially late in the season when it matters like this. So, you can imagine who I'm taking. Speaking of who I'm taking, Week 15 picks is coming up right after this. All right, we're back. Um, time for Week 15 picks in the NFL in the league where they play for pick. Browns at Broncos. Broncos favored at minus three. I will take Cleveland to win plus three. 24-21. Er 
Cardinals at the Falcons. I'll take the Falcons to win. They are favored at minus eight and a half. I'll take Falcons to win 26-17. Colts and Cowboys. Colts favored at minus three points. I'll tie with the market pick, but I'll and I'll take the Colts to win the game 24-21. Oakland at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's favorite at minus three points. I'll take Cincinnati to win the game 21-24. Jets and Texans. Texans are favorite at minus six points. I'll take Texans to win 26-20. Vikings and Dolphins, the matchup of the miracles. Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota miracle, Miami miracle. Minnesota's fate at minus seven points. I'll take Miami to win the game, 27-20. Washington and Jacksonville. Jacksonville's fate at minus seven points. I'll take Jacksonville, 21-14. Buffalo, Detroit. Buffalo's fade at minus two and a half. I'll take Buffalo to win 21-17. Chicago and Green Bay. Chicago's favorite at minus five and a half. I'll take Chicago to win 27-17. Tampa Bay and Baltimore. Baltimore favorite at minus eight points. I'll take Baltimore to win 28-17. Giants and Titans. Giants fade at minus two and a half. I'll take the Giants to win 21-14. Seattle and San Francisco. San Francisco is favored at minus five and a half. I'll take Seattle to win the game. 35 to 10. New England and Pittsburgh. New England is favored at minus three. I'll take New England to win the game. 31-28. And last but not least. Or actually, I got two more left. Uh, Eagles and Rams. Rams favored at minus nine points. I'll take the Rams to win 31-21. And the Monday night game between the Saints and the Panthers. Saints are favored at minus six and a half. I'll take New Orleans to win 31-21. Well, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you're new to the podcast, new to sports, hope you learned a thing or two. And, uh... Build up your uh, sports knowledge a little bit. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe if you like what you heard and want more of it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a star rating and a review down below. Um, Next episode will be not next week, not next Saturday, but Sunday January, not excuse me, not January, December 23rd. December 23rd will be next episode of the podcast. And until then, God bless. Have a safe, wonderful weekend. Enjoy week 15 in the NFL.